What's an A player? It's someone who possesses the attitude of curiosity, connection, and total commitment to the vision. The work we do with our clients helps them both be A players and fill their organizations with A players. This is a segment of the Naked Leadership Podcast where you'll get to know the A players of our team at Take New Ground. You'll get to see firsthand their brilliance, talent, and commitment as we talk in areas of their expertise. Hey, my friends, this is Chad. Today, I get to sit down with my good friend, Aaron Kearns, associate partner here at Take New Ground. Aaron has been in people ops for many successes teams. She's taken teams from boutique to big business, and her people-centered approach to results is infectious. In this conversation, Aaron and I explore the topic of scorecards, performance reviews, and one-to-ones. Some specifics we get into, why scorecards don't work, the mistake most leaders make when setting up a performance management plan, and how to expedite the most impactful changes with your people. Also, at the beginning of the conversation, you get to hear her and I unpack a situation where I really irked her, really pushed some buttons. So I hope you enjoy that. Let's go. Aaron, my friend, how are you? I'm so good, Chad. How are you? I'm great. Hey, we're going to dive in today about, we're going to talk about scorecards. We're going to talk about performance reviews. We're going to talk about one-to-ones. But before we do, I'm going to surprise you. Is that okay? Always. Okay. So I'm committed to being honest, transparent, open with our with the listeners of this podcast with because I think there's so much to be gained both for us as a team and for those who listen as we unpack our experiences together. Okay. So you and I were having a conversation before we record, we're having a conversation about a challenge that we're solving. With our own? Yeah, with our team. And we're we're look we're trying to look at it from as many different angles as we possibly can, put out ideas, put out bad ideas, hopefully find some good ideas, all of that sort of stuff, right? You and I are having a conversation on Slack. I respond to one of your suggestions. We get on the call together and you said, Hey, your comment really irked me. <laughs> uh-huh. That's exactly what I said. And I just wanted to, I just, I think I loved it. I was so, I'm so grateful for your honesty. I'm grateful that you were willing, like that you were willing to just say that in a way that there's no, there wasn't any fluff. There wasn't anything that you didn't mask it in it. And and I'm so grateful for that level of, of honesty because what I'm most grateful for is I know you will stay in the conversation with me. Yeah. Of course I will. Right? And yeah. and that's what I love. And so we 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 didn't come to a resolution. No. Sure did. <laughs> In fact, we decided that we needed to have more conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the point of it, right? Like when you're when you're in a disagreement or some like you have a certain feeling about it of about something when the other person is willing to hear that and have the initial conversation and let the conversation go where it needs to go and still want to go back into it. I think that's really what makes a good, solid foundation of a relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that I could give that to you and I'm glad that you reciprocate it. Yeah, so thank you because what I see is like you you state that clearly and I'm like, all right, great, now we got a conversation. Now we're talking about something real and I get your passion. I get your investment. I get your love for what we're doing and for the people we're doing it for. And that that is what would drive such an emotion or such a reaction. 
and that you're just so great about it and honest about it. And anyway, so thank you for that. I wanted to, I just wanted to recognize you for that and just also display like those who are listening to this podcast who are working with your teams to have meaningful conversations. I hope if you've been listening to this for a while that this, 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 this podcast has been an invitation for you to have those conversations with your with the people on your team and that if you get irked by something <laughs> or somebody else comes to you and says hey this really irked me that's not a bad thing yeah There's... it's not about thing i, I want to interrupt you sorry like i think it's also really important for the listeners to hear this part which is you made a comment to me at what 10 30 this morning i probably saw at 11 I said, hey, can we actually talk about this on our call? It was not appropriate for me to say that irked me on our Slack channel, right? Sure. That's something that we need to dialogue about. And um, we did it by, you know, 1130 this morning, right? So there was an elapse of probably an hour and 15 minutes. Right. Which I think in practice for our listeners is something that I like to remind you know, even my clients or my husband or my kids, like when something bothers you, bring it up with the person as soon as you possibly can. Because otherwise our brains start to make up things about that thing that irked me. Sure. And it distorts rather yeah. than being able to have the real authentic conversation right at the moment as it comes up. Yeah. I think so. I'm like, both are valuable, right? Like if you need a moment to just set, to just separate yourself from the emotion sure. you're feeling, you know, yeah. but yeah. also like real time feedback. That's some, that's something we invite. I invite my clients into constantly, this? you know, every week I'm getting on calls with my clients and like, Oh, this person said this, and this is really how it affects me. And I say, Hey, did you say something to them? And they're like, no. And I'm like, why? And it's like, you know, this real-time feedback opportunity is just, it's, it's this, if if you can come to it, I'm, and I'm not saying any of this to pat our own backs. I'm just, I just, I just thought it was such a beautiful example of how we could put into practice some of the things we talk about. And are we perfect at it? Hell no, we're not perfect at it. But the opportunity is like, be open-handed, come to the conversation Know that if somebody across from you that you care about and that you're working with and you're working with is irked by something you said, that's not a problem. I mean, like if you're being an asshole, it's stop being an asshole. But otherwise, like if it's just an exchange of ideas and you you can be you can come to that conversation open handed together and confident that you can see it to the other side. Yeah. Anyway. Just wanted to thank you for that. Thank you for having the conversation with me. Of course. You were to come on it. All right. Let's let's dive in. Okay. So I love this I love this conversation. You know, I said, Hey Aaron, what are we gonna go after this week that would be meaningful for leaders in your in your realm of expertise? And you talked about scorecards, performance reviews. I'm gonna add one to ones on there because that's a hot topic with at least a lot of my clients. Um and I said, hey, what are some of the myths out there about these things that really get you? And, <laughs> and one of the first ones that you talked about was a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. One-size-fits-all. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, 
Um, I don't know if anybody has realized this, but each person is an individual and therefore has individual desires and triggers and damn it, how they like to be handled. Just, you know, um, yeah, I'm reading a book right now about birthright and like there's studies about how you can generalize, um, birth order with kids mm. and adults. And then there's like three chapters on all the exceptions, which is like, yes, there's all these research and, and, and data on these things. And also there's all these exceptions because humans are individuals, yeah. period. Yeah. Um, and therefore scorecards don't work. Mm. That's like a really blunt way to say it. And that's not exact. Um, the reason why I say scorecards don't work is that I will use myself as an example. If someone gives me a two on a, on a scale of one to five, I'm pissed. And I'm not going to hear what they have to say. Um, if someone gives me a five and then they follow it on with these areas need improvement, I will hear everything and like ask questions. Um, but generally for me, that number, like, oh, you're going to put me in a box of a one to five rating will just shut me down because I'm a pretty unique individual and I like to claim that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I, when I work with leaders who are like, oh, we have to implement a performance rating system. I'm like, well, let's talk about who's in your company, right? Like, do you have a high performing overachieving group of individuals generally with the people who are talking with? They do. Yeah. And I caution them against putting a grade on someone yeah right so i i can like physically feel people's ears burning right now <laughs> when you say scorecards don't work and i i love that you brought that up to the right at the beginning of this conversation because that's going to be a real tension grabber because i think there's some really valuable stuff in this conversation but we need to dig deeper into it yeah um so when i hear when when i hear that something doesn't work the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, work for what? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if we don't understand the purpose of the thing that we're going, like the thing that the tool that we're using, if we don't understand that, we actually don't know if it works or not. Right? So what is... I think it's a, a really powerful conversation for us to have is like, what would the purpose of a scorecard be? And it can't just because it's best practices or this is what everybody else does, or even this will change people or people will change because of the scorecard system. <laughs> and and I think when you think about, because what I heard you say is that just a number on a scorecard probably isn't going to make a difference, at least for you. Well, then. And I'm guessing this is also colored by a lot of experience you've had with a lot of people on some pretty sizable teams and smaller teams. So there's not, it's not just you. It's just not anecdotal. You really have had a unique view of this on a lot of different scenarios. So, um, what I hear you saying is that individuals, seeing people as an individual is what works. When you talk about what works, what doesn't work, what do you, what work for what? 
what is it that what is the end that you are the aim the vision that you see as these working for not working for life is not fair it's what you negotiate let me say that one more time life is not fair it's what you negotiate now that's an interesting thought if that's true it means that everything you have in life right now the possessions the relationships the fitness the mindset are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate? What's effective and what's ineffective? What your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. So from my perspective, a scorecard is generally used to manage performance, manage and, and like align, uh, I don't want to say like align the manager to the employee, have them align to what is occurring with, within the individual's performance. So it's generally used as a tool um, to have a conversation around how an employee has performed up to date. Now, some places have um, just uh, results based, right? So did you deliver project A, B, and C mm -hmm. on time? Mm -hmm. Other companies put in some value bases. Like, do you, you know, are, do you show your attribute of being bold just using one of our values yes um and then you give a score to it which generally the scores have meets expectations exceeds expectations neutral or below average or below expectations which also has its own caveats because generally people aren't clear about what their expectations are um which is something that i think starts to open up this conversation right if like Part of the problem of scorecard is that we don't align on our expectations about what's going to be in the scorecard ahead of time because generally companies just forget about it until they're like, oh my gosh, we need to do performance management and one through four, here we go. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I generalize a lot in the purpose of the scorecard in that answer. Um, I don't know if you've heard any other ways of in of companies using scorecards. So, yeah, no, I, I, but to what end? What are we managing performance for, right? And and this is it may be like duh, 
But I just want to get explicit about it because there might be some other interpretations. Ultimately, we're using, we're, we're managing performance so that we could A, get the results that are needed in order for us to be a successful business. But also, I think most, I would say most leaders are looking at scorecards as, I don't know, maybe I'm off on this, but I, I think most are looking at it as a, a potential way to change behavior. Yes. Um, and, and so I think the idea of a performance review is that of like, I'm going to make you aware of how you're showing up in my eyes and how you performed based against my expectations. And that will make you change. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is a very, uneducated way to help people make progress yeah it's naive <laughs> yeah it's pretty and, naive. And, and lazy and also you can't make somebody change right on so how do you illuminate for the employee how they've been performing or showing up in certain situations in a way that uh ignites them to want to change Rather than like, I need you to fit into this score box uh-huh. type of conversation. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the fact that I brought up of scorecards generally coming after as an afterthought is the first problem, um, because performance starts at the onset. Uh-huh. Meaning, like, I need to align with you at the start of a new project, when you walk in as a new employee, at a new quarter, as we have new goals, of uh, what results you're expected to deliver. And then maybe I can score you against those results. However, I think giving you a number is just going to be demotivating, personally. Um, yeah. Specific and- agreements is what I hear you talking about. What are our specific agreements that we're going to be able to be accountable to each other for? Correct. If those, if, because otherwise you assume it as a scorecard on the person themselves and they take it really personally as ineffective. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's interesting. I was like, so I was on a coaching call this week with a, 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 a such a fun client. He's got so much going on. His business is growing like crazy. His team is growing. And he's got this team member who has been with him for a really long time, right-hand person, just high performance, gets their shit done. Mm -hmm. And they're miserable to work with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Right? And he is determined. He's committed to create a culture where people love to be there. And they love to support each other and they love to help each other. That's what he's determined. It's not what he currently has, admittedly, by himself. But that's yeah. what he's committed to create. That's why he started working with me. And um, this person on his team doesn't seem to be up for creating that type of culture, according to him. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he feels stuck, you know, because he's got a high performer but is going to be a detriment to the culture that he says he wants. Now, as we talked about this on the call, what was interesting is that 
there was never an agreement, an explicit agreement between the two of them about how they would contribute to the culture that's wanted. And I said, look, man, you're in a great position with this person because you have an opportunity to get clear now about what it is you're committed to and the agreements that are going to need to be in place in order to make that happen with everybody that's on the team. The cool thing is, is that you don't have to make up anything about them right now. Go present the agreements and see where they land. And and that's why I, I think like, I love what you said, something that sparked for, uh, a thought for me is like, oh shit, these are just conversation starters. Scorecards? Yes. Yeah. Well, they should be. They could be. And the reason they should be is because they should be at the start of projects or, or employment or, you know, new yeah. year, however you do this in your business. Um, And I mean, like, we're going to kind of go over some of the topics that you discussed previously. It was like, this is what one-on-ones are for. Okay. So you have conversation starters. And if your performance management system is a scorecard, then work that into your one-on-one and make sure that you and your your direct are sharing notes, are having the real conversations about the results in real time about the expectations, the shortfalls, the, the big wins um, on a regular basis. And so then you have a basis at which you're walking into a scorecard conversation at the end of Q1 of like, oh, I'm going to give you a three and here's why. I'm going to look back to all of our one-on-one notes from Q1 and I've labeled them, you know, wins, misses, agreements, this and that. And we've all shared this document and there's no surprise, right? Right on. So part of the reason why I also think scorecards don't work is because they they mask the fact of people's insecurities to have those types of conversations. That's where I was going to... Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. What do you mean by uh, that? I, I mean... I'm going to wait until Q2 to give Chad a score of a two. <laughs> Although I see this coming up in Q1. Sure. Rather down with Chad and being like, 45 minutes after you did something, hey, you irked me. Right? Let's have that conversation. Um, Hey, you really missed when you lit the trash can on fire, Chad. You know, like, what's going on for you that made that, made that happen? Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, in short, it is like a, it's a back door to get out of the difficult conversation. Yeah, right on. So there's so there's there's a couple of things in here that I'm hearing you talk about. I just want to make them ex- explicit or, or, or put them back to you and see if, if I got it. One of those being, you know, I believe one of the ways that scorecards doesn't work is if they are a substitute for the conversation. Like if you see them as an end all be all for feedback, that is a huge miss. What are you laughing about? I just got a flash of this conversation I had with the CEO where he was like, yeah, but you know, we're having this problem with this person. We're just going to wait till the performance cycle goes one more time and see. And I looked at him and I was like, whoa, 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 what? Like you're going to let this person hang themselves for the next quarter or my first question, I think, was, how often did you performance reviews? He's like, oh, every six months or every quarter. I can't remember the answer. It's probably every six months for how uh, 
careless he was. Um, so you're going to let this person hang themselves for six months before you have this conversation? That And, and that was the second part, right? It's so, it's so interesting. It's like the second thing I hear you saying is like, scorecards aside, if I notice you missing it, Aaron, in January, but our next one-to-one's not till March because that's going to nicely round out some thing we all decided was a period of time that we all respect like it's a god in the business world. So I'm not going to give you that feedback. I'm going to hold on to that feedback until March for our one-to-one. If that's, that is where this system fails as well. I always tell my clients, a one-to-one or a performance, a set performance review is never a place for new feedback. Never, never. Ever. And, ever. Nothing should be a surprise when you walk into that room at all. I always find it so funny when my directs would be like, I'm really nervous about this. And I'd be like, okay, well, what do you think is going to come up? Yes, yes. You know, like, what, what are you actually nervous about? And most of them would tell me, oh, you know, I think that I underperformed in this. And I was like, oh, that's so fascinating. You know, we would get into the deep, real detailed conversation about what they were nervous about. And um, I would go back to our one-on-one notes. And I'd be like, oh, this happened in three months ago. And you're nervous about that? Actually, our notes here say that you crushed this. This was the one miss on it. And, you know, we could go back in real time in that conversation. I was like, so what would be driving you about it? And like, I don't know. I guess I just remember that one negative thing. Uh, and I loved being able to do that because after people got used to having, you know, performance reviews with me, they would walk in and they'd be like, it's performance review time. Like, let's have a great, you know, like, I know what's going on in here. And there was no surprise. Were there um, cock- Just curious, were there cocktails in your one-to-ones? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> If we were celebrating or saying goodbye, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I think it's really critical, excuse me, and I think it's really critical to be able to have that type of relationship with your direct reports. If you really want to be an exceptional leader, you should be able to have those conversations of what are you nervous about? Your, your directs should point to it. And you can come to the aligned view because you've already had the conversation previously and you can reference back to what occurred in that moment. That's right. Uh, One more point I want to make is um, if you wait for a quarter to tell Chad that he messed up in January and you're going to tell him in March, your perception of that event has changed so significantly, um, meaning you've remembered it multiple times or... They've done things to uh, uh, hinder that viewpoint or enforce that viewpoint. Like you always find evidence to to support what you believe, and that belief can change over that quarter. And and so, I just really urge people who are listening to this to think about um, that real time feedback because your memory distorts over time. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, I th- I think yeah, and and not to mention like that is going to color your interaction with them for those two months that you've been unwilling to give them the feedback. Yeah. Not to mention that they're probably going to continue what's not working for the next two months until mm-hmm. you give them the feedback. Yeah. yeah. I think about, I think about the, 
<laughs> I think about the term review, right? Performance review. And I just want to, again, drive this idea home is that this is an opportunity. I see this as an opportunity for us to review the feedback that we've been giving each other over the last however long period. And that's the opportunity is just like, hey, we've been talking about this. Where are we at with it? How's the approach been? How, you know, what are you experiencing? All of that sort of stuff. It is not a performance confrontation. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that comes up when you say that, um, I had a, this amazing woman who reported to me, she's, you know, a dear friend to this day. And she came to me one day and she said, you know, in one of our one-on-ones and she said, you know what, Aaron, what would be really helpful for me is on a monthly basis, if you can just summarize my wins and send them back to me, I would just like it. She's like, we can put it in the same doc, but like, can you just put them all in one place? And I bring that up because I think it's really important for people who are not managing others, people who are reporting to people that they have a say in how the performance management like bubble is created. Wow. And if you could come to your manager with something like that, I guarantee you if they're a good leader and they could take feedback, they will work with you on it. And that only makes that leader better. Wow. Freaking a funny face. No, a funny face. Nah. How offensive. <laughs> Just listening. I think it's 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 so interesting to me the formalities that take place. You know, we can allow these conversations with the people with our team. We can allow them to go into a space of formality rather yeah. than what are we committed to? How are we standing for each other? And who are we being for each other with, that would actually drive action? Meaning you and I, we could get on this, we could get on this podcast and many do this. We could tell the list, we could tell people, Hey, you know, do performance cards and this is how you set them up and make sure your ratings are one through five, not one through 10 and blah, 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 blah. blah. And that's all the doing, right? That's all the things that they could do. And we, it would be a huge miss because I think what are we, what really matters is what are we driving to be for our people? What are we driving? What kind of relationship are we determined and committed to create with them? And then that is going to determine the doing. Everything will come out of this. So it's not even that scorecards are good or bad or work or don't work. It's what is the means? What is the end? What is the being or the relationship that you're driving towards? And how could they or maybe they don't support that end? Yeah. Um it I like really practically this week I I'm working with a company right now and they're just they're just starting starting up, right? They're brand new. And there's all these philosophies and ideals that the founder has come up with and um that in true fashion we start to have our to-do lists come up. Oh, I'm just going to solve this by that, you know. Yep. And um I keep having to remind this founder, like, how does this support the ideal that you want the company to live up to? Uh, and I just have to ask that that simple question, 
And this person is perceptive enough to say, oh, oh, wait, I need to pause. I'm starting to get into that um, sort of check the box mode rather than I'm focusing on the final outcome yes. that I'm standing for. Um, and so it's really, really easy to fall into that pattern. And, and I encourage listeners to have a counterpart or a coach or, you know, so- something along those lines who is honest enough with you to check in on those things um, right on. because we're human and we're going to fail at it all the time. Right. Um, so just sparked for me. And you can actually create that on your team. You can, 100%. you can create that, that level of accountability on your team as well. Mm-hmm. You know, do people have the permission or the, the trust in order to be able to say, Hey, is this actually working towards what we say we're about? Is yes. this contributing to the way that we want to evaluate performance and for yeah. what? Yes. Um, and I encourage leaders to ask those questions, right? And not only about these big topics, but about the little things, right? Once you get really used to doing this on the little things, um, it, it comes more naturally on the bigger things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. This feels like a natural wrapping point. So um, this is fun. I really appreciate this. I love this conversation. It's there's so much more nuance to it than we than so many of us allow. You know, no, we, we want we want to shortcut this shit. You can't. You can't. I mean, performance reviews are not twice a year or four times a year. Performance reviews are constant. And human It's a way of being. Yes. It's a, it's a way of being and for the high driving leaders that we have around us everybody needs to be reminded constantly and i really appreciate this conversation with you today yeah thanks aaron yeah ciao all right bye-bye everybody well my friends thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the naked leadership podcast as a heads up every friday we post a cliff notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.